that there's a God who is always there for us, like he's just always there. And really this morning as we sang, there was such a, a, as Mel captured it and as the team played, there was such a sense that as we run into his arms, you know, in all facets of life, regardless of what we're going through, what stresses may come our way, that when we run into his arms, he's there, yeah, and he comforts us in, in that place. And so I want to I, I wanna unpack that a little bit, if I can, because I think you and I, we should be able to expect our God to be in every area of our life through every situation and circumstance that we go through. Even when he feels like he's so far away, he's always there in that circumstance, you know. He, he's never distanced himself. You know, whatever... In whatever fashion we need him, he'll be there for us. No matter what we go through, I always feel as though he's one step ahead of us because he knows everything that we're going to go through, everything that we think and are about to think. He knows it. He's God, yeah? Um, I, I love the story of Job. I was, just, I was just reading yesterday and a little bit this morning that, you know, for those that don't know, Job went through a whole bunch of stuff and he never maligned God. Um, his friends tended to but he had all of these questions because his life was falling apart and if you've ever gone through anything in life regardless of age generally you end up with questions you know why why did this happen why was this person taken you know our finances what's going on god are you even there can you hear us is there anything, you know, we talk about your favour, is there favour? Like we have questions. If we're to be real to ourselves, we would say, yeah, we, at somewhere along the line we've had that question or those questions. Do you know God comes to Job and never answers a single question? Not a single question, yet Job, in the presence of God, is totally satisfied with God's presence and with what he's going through without an answer. And yet so many of us can't move forward in our walk. Yeah, because we, uh, we've got these questions for God with what we're going through and we're waiting for him to answer, yet he's standing there saying, I'm enough. Yeah, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. You know? You know, simply put, I think, when we come to the end of ourselves, it's not the end of God. <laughs> Amen for that? Yeah. <laughs> it's not the end of God. There's always more, there's always more, there's always more. Many years ago I did a series over three or four weeks about more of God and I just feel like we've got to touch on that. We're coming into Christmas where stress levels are off the chart, yeah? But we do, we celebrate this gift where God says, hey, you, you know, he's saying to the Israelites back then, you think you know me but I've still got more to give. Yeah, I'm about to give you a part of myself. And then even after the gift, if we were to fast forward to, to Easter, he goes, I've still got more to give. And even after that, he's, through Holy Spirit, he says, I still, there's always more to God. It's never ending. We, we can't fathom what he has for us. Yeah? A few years ago, while we were talking and looking at those things, um, Corey Turner, a really good friend of ours that, that we love in this house, um, came and he and he preached a word and he shared a word with our church that he bounced off um, with a story of Lot in Genesis 13. And the scripture reads, After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can, see in every direction. And this was a word that he was speaking over our church. 
Now, you've got to understand, our church isn't the four walls. Our church is the people. It's us, yeah? And he was saying, look as far as you can. See in every direction, north, south, east, and west, all the land that you will see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. He was prophesying that there's more for our church. He was prophesying and decreeing and declaring in the atmosphere that there's actually more of God for each and every one of us, yeah? Flat out, like... If you were here at that time, it was one of the first times he was ever with us and he was totally undone by God as he delivered just word after word after word. Now, that truth, that word that he shared is a truth that I think we have to remind ourselves of, especially when we're getting to the end of ourselves, you know, when we're getting to that tough time, when we think there is no answer because we're not hearing an answer. We need to be reminded that God actually says, hey, I'm more than enough and I'm about to, you know, look north, look south, look east, look west. This is what I've got for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, Corey was declaring and prophesying back then. He was saying, lift up your eyes. And he declared that even before this year's word of seeing the way that God sees. Yeah? I'm expanding your territory. See what I can see for you. You know, in the Logos, in, in, in the newsletter, who's with me that next year we change the name of the Logos to something that people in Australia understand? Yes. Like, yeah, I just think it's time. I just, I just figure, you know. Anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Every time I call it the Logos, I'm aware that there's, there's two-thirds of the people that go, what's that? No, it's not the Bible software. You know? <laughs> anyway, what I wrote, and it's a thought for us all that I think we need to carry, especially when you consider everything that you and I all go through in life. And what I wrote is this. No matter where you are in life, no matter who you are, there's always more of God available to you. It doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian or how many times you've read your Bible. If you're in despair, there is more hope. If you're overwhelmed... With sadness and a sad hopelessness, there is more joy. Yeah. If you're feeling lost, confused, well, there is more light. Yeah? yeah. If you feel like life has robbed you of purpose, well, actually, there is more life. Yeah? Even in the wilderness, through confusion and insecurity, God proves himself faithful. He's our source, never ending. He's our life, never lacking. Yeah? Who knows the, the prayer of Jabez? Who's ever read that passage of scripture? You know, considering it's really such a small passage of scripture that they wrote a book on, it's really phenomenal. Um, we, we were, my son and I, Samuel and I, were at his uh, school uh, celebration, they call it, you know, where they celebrate diff, different people who have achieved different things. And um, some of the year 12s had finished their Cert 3 in Christian living or something or other. I don't know what it was. But one, one, of the, one of the guys um, was awarded because he, he was the ducks of that particular certificate, so to speak, that certificate. And um, Ruthie was mentioning that they had a, a verse, a verse, a verse that they need, needed to exegete, you know, expand, flesh out, you know. 30 pages later, he wrote, I reckon he wrote stuff in there that God doesn't know. Like... <laughs> Like seriously, 30 pages later, 
Like, how much are you going to see into it? God's, God's pretty simple, you know, like he prays short prayers, Lazarus, get up, you know, we, like, anyway. So you got this prayer of Jabez. <laughs> First Chronicles 14, Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. See, when you expand your territory, it grows. Your territory actually grows. So this prayer or this passage of scripture that's become a prayer for, for nations and for people everywhere is, is all about there's more of God. There's more for you, yeah? It was First Chronicles 4, um, verse 10. It should be, if I wrote it down right. So God has an abundance for us all. He has an abundance for our life. While Mel was sharing last week, she was sharing that she was fasting and praying and that she'd been fasting and praying. But what's more important isn't so much that she's fasting and praying. What's more important is why. Why she's fasting and praying. Sorry. Yes, I can still reach the floor. Not for long. Thank, thank you, Christine. She's fasting and praying because she wants more of God. Yeah? We've got to understand and grab hold of a concept that we have all of him and we can be satisfied and content. Yet there is still more of him that we can grow into as he grows in us, more than, more than we can experience, more that, that, that you and I can encounter. Yeah. See, when we fast and pray, we actually position ourselves for more. We're getting rid of all of our distractions so we can focus on him. And what we're actually saying and what Mel was saying is, I just want more of you, God. I want a greater download. I want more wisdom. I need your presence. I need your help. I need you. Yeah. We all somehow need to get in our spirit, that when it comes to the Father, we can always experience more. I, I pray and hope that whoever calls Mount Clear home would never be satisfied, get my heart right, never be satisfied with what you have in God. You can have a great relationship with the Lord, but you can still grow in it. You can have a pathetic relationship with the Lord. Obviously, you can still grow in it. Because we can never reach the ends of what he has for us and what he wants to give yeah. us. Yeah? The only thing that stops us is us. Yeah? Yeah? If, we would, if I was to ask the question, who wants more of God? I would imagine that every person just about would say, yeah, I'd like more of God. The reality and truth is that within some of our hearts, some of us are like, in the more of God, that's a good thing. But I, I'm actually really good with God. There's almost a sense of pride, but it, of being proudful. It's like, oh, I'm actually really good with God. I'd like more of God, but I'm good with God. And so what is lacking in that space is a hunger and a thirst. Yeah, That's probably not a good thing. If we're gluttons, gluttons when it comes to food, that's a bad thing. To continually be hungry and eat, it's probably not a good thing. You know, oh, the things, anyway, I was just thinking of a joke from before. I won't go there. But with God, we can be hungry and thirsty for God all the time. And he says he'll meet us in that place. So it's those who hunger and thirst, yeah, he'll fill. So when we're hungry and thirsty, he will fill. The only time he stops filling is when you stop being hungry and thirsty. You know, I'm not growing in the Lord. Well, maybe you're not hungry and thirsty. God's not being mean. He's just being true to his word. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled. 
Get hungry. Get thirsty, yeah? If we want to experience more of God, not just in knowledge, in our heads, but in our hearts and in our lives, in our families and workplaces, then we need to want it, yeah? Like, like a kid wants McDonald's when they drive past the Golden Arches, yeah? And you tell them that you're not stopping there because you've got no money. Anyone ever had that you know, experience in the car where they're freaking out? But I'm and we can't afford it. Why are we poor? And it starts, you know. <laughs> With God, we're going to be hungry all the time. Not because we're poor in spirit, but we are poor in spirit without Him. Yeah. So how do we how do we get more? How do we experience more? Well, it, it, there's a better question, and and the, the answer is probably a lot like chasing God. You know, I think we need to chase God. I think we need to chase him. There's one of my favourite books, uh, and books of all times, is by Tommy Tenney. He writes a book called God Chases and God Catches. I think they're brilliant, brilliant books that stir up hunger and thirst in your hearts, yeah? Because I I think of my kids, and, and Samuel was a perfect example, I think, two days ago. My kids don't have to chase me to be their dad. I am their dad. Like it or lump it, yeah? I'm their dad. But if they really want a, a, a better relationship or if they want to spend time with me, I can be complacent and lethargic. I really like my couch. I paid money for it. It's comfortable. I sit on different cushions so that I get my groove in every place that I sit, yeah? And if they want me, they've got to come to me. And, then, and, and two days ago, Samuel was relentless. Come on, Dad, let's go into the bedroom. Because that means we're going to fight on the bed. I've been getting hurt lately. I, I, don't, I, I don't like to do that. Because Mel won't let me go too hard. So I, I have to be the softy while they're throwing all these big punches and haymakers. And they're practically swinging off the chandeliers while they drop elbows on my stomach. Yeah. But if they want more of me, it's not about me being their dad. It's about a relationship. It's about getting closer. They come for me. They chase me down. They hound me, please. And then Mel and I get into a disagreement because I'm like, I don't want to do it. You do it. Like yesterday, Sammy wanted to play basketball. Dad, come and play basketball. Oh, but I don't like basketball. But come and play basketball. You do it. The point was he was chasing me because he wanted me, yeah? You and I got to be the same with God. It's not about him being our father. It's not about your salvation. That's all. That is set in stone and done, yeah? But it's about you having a desire to chase after God. He gave a little child, a helpless child at Christmas that we remember so that we could follow him for the rest of our lives. Not just know him, but to chase him down. I love this thought because those two books, you've got God Chases but also God Catches. Tommy Tenney, if you've not read it. Can we catch God? Well, you know, let's face it. God's a bit faster than all of us (laughs) and a bit smarter than all of us. So we probably can't catch him, but the sense is that we actually can because we can capture his attention, yeah? We can, we can chase him so much. Think about David when he danced. When David danced, he danced before the Lord. We sung it even in, in song today. He danced before the Lord and where he danced, God saw that hunger and it says the presence of God went after David, just followed him. 
Yeah? David caught God by his hunger. Caught his attention. You know, John 4.23 says, by the, But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. There is a way to get God's attention. There is a way to catch him. There is a way to chase him. There is a way to get closer. There is a way to have more. All the time that you're feeling dry, yeah? Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We've got to be hungry. We've got to be thirsty. It's really simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're lazy in your faith, if we're lazy in our faith, God's still there. But, you know, he's not going to fill us afresh. Our cup's not going to be running over, is it? So how do we catch him? We just get more hungry. Especially when you think about moving into a new year, we should be saying, okay, January the 1st. And it's not about making promises that we can't keep and reading chapters of the Bible and spending hours in prayer, but it's saying, I'm going to be intentional to go after God. I might read five novels a year. I'm going to throw in something that's going to grow my faith. Be intentional. Do something where you're chasing him down, saying, God, I want your attention. I want more of you in my life, everywhere. I know God's omnipresent, and I know we don't catch him per se like a a normal person. But he's there to be caught. Because if we pursue his heart in passionate hunger, our words, our desperation, they have the power to capture his heart. And once we do that, God then, then he allows us to pull him into our world on earth as it is in heaven. This is where it shifts. This is where it, where it changes. You know, I love the thought and um, it, it caused some stir some years ago. But I love the thought that we have this God that is hidden from us. Years ago, I said, God hides. People didn't like that. God doesn't hide. God doesn't hide. Really, doesn't he? Hmm. We've got a few scriptures to rip out then. Deuteronomy 4.9. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. (laughs) Can't find something that's not hidden. You know, that just wouldn't be the case, would it? First Chronicles 22.19 Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into that temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. First Chronicles 28.9 And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart, understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you and I love it that means there's always more there's always more that we can actually capture there's always more that we can learn there's always more that we can step into there's always more that we can stumble across you know God's looking for us to be looking for him it's really weird yeah Psalm 19 the Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there are any who understand any who seek God yeah He's looking for a people that will chase him, that want to run him down, that want to play basketball, that want to wrestle on the bed, that want to sit and, and, and have a cup of tea. He's cha- he wants those people that want him. I love it. I just, I just love the fact that 
this one thought alone can, can create within us, regardless of how long we've walked with the Lord, can create within us a whole different realm to walk into, a whole myriad of different possibilities. God loves it when we seek him. But you can only seek that, that which is hidden. And he's hiding so that we can find him. That's what revelation is. I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. I've read that passage so many times, but I've never, it's, ne- it's never come out of the page like that. It's there in, for everyone to see, yet hidden for us to find. Yeah? He's looking for people that will look for him to seek him and find him. And 2020, 2019, 2021, we should be a people that are so hungry that we want more, that we live in revelation. Not for anything, not because that's what we're longing for, but we keep finding God everywhere we turn. Proverb, um, Psalm 27, 8 says, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. We can't find something that's not sort of hidden. God longs to be captured by us. And he doesn't hide from us so that he can't be found. He's hidden to be found. Yeah? He hides for the pure joy of being discovered is what I think. Yeah? You play hide and seek with the kids. Now, I'm very competitive. I'm different to most. If I'm hiding from my children, even when they were younger, I'd be quite happy hiding for three or four hours and knowing that they never found me. I've learned now through counselling with my excuse and sitting down with my wife over many hours, over many years, the purpose of the game was to be found. (laughs) So I apologise to my children who never found me. I wasn't playing the game quite right. The joy apparently for them was in finding me. The joy for me was in not being found. So I certainly wasn't godlike. God hides in a way, so not that he's not found. He hides in a way that if you walk past, he's the, he's the kind of person that makes a noise. So you turn around. yeah. They go, over here. And you're like, oh, we're close. That's the type of game that God plays because he wants you to find him. And when you find him, it's like, wow. That's revelation. Look at that. Man, look what God just showed me. I just had an encounter with God. He loves it when we find him. There's joy for him in being found. We've got to be hungry enough to look. Because if you don't look, you're not going to find. Yeah? If you're not hungry and thirsty, you won't be filled. If you don't chase after God, you won't catch him. If you don't look for him, you won't find him. You, we often... yeah. Live off the revelation of other people because it's, wow, man, that is so good. The only reason they have that revelation is because they went looking. They went seeking a God that was waiting to be found. You know, you walk past the door and he, and he rustles something so you know to turn back. That God. You know, Matthew 7 7 and 8 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Yeah, Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, 
finds. Why do we stop looking? Why do we just live in what we know, what we've been told? Why do we, why do we quench the hunger and thirst with everything else but him? Yeah? Why do we do that? Acts 17, 27, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way forward toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. How do we get and experience more of God? Hebrews 11.6, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you don't feel rewarded, if I don't feel rewarded, maybe I just haven't sincerely sought the Lord. Yeah? Like, I'm hoping that as I share some of these passages, we're thinking, dang it, I can step up. I, there's more of God for me. Flipping heck, life's been so tough. The enemy's robbed me. God's got stuff for me. I love the life of Isaiah. Isaiah 6, chapter 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his rope. <laughs> Sorry, one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> we talk about it, so I talk about it so often. The train of his robe fill the temple mm, sorry let me just compose work back to where I was reading above him were seraphim each with six wings with two wings they covered their faces and two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the Lord Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory at the sound of their voices the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah had walked into the temple hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Oh, he just had. That was, that was his role. And the Bible doesn't record any significant God encounters until this one. This time it's different. This time he encounters God. It, it, it says, we just read, he sees the Father sitting on his throne high and lifted up. You know, how did it happen? Why did it happen? What was different this time when, when he walked into the temple? That passage of Scripture tells us that King Uzziah had just died. The king had just died. History also tells us, and if you read some of the passages in the Word, King Uzziah was Isaiah's go-to man. If Isaiah had a question, he would go to King Uzziah. He would go and ask. Yeah, It was his go-to. It was almost a safe place for him to go to. He trusted him. The king was strong. The king was focused, yeah? You could say that, that Isaiah, because King Uzziah was a safe place, it's probably safe enough to suggest that, no, it's not my phone, it's, it's this here. It's probably safe to suggest that you know, Isaiah depended upon the king just a little bit. On top of that, historians actually suggest that King Uzziah and Isaiah may have been cousins. <laughs> so here you have this passage of scripture and King Uzziah had just died. What we believe, his cousin had just died. His confidant, the person that he depended on, that he went to because he was a safe place, had just died. And for any of us that have been around or suffered death in our families or close to, 
we go into mourning. And I think at this point, Isaiah is, is mourning. I think he's mourning the death of his cousin, his friend. I think he's mourning the death of a king. In that, God said to me this, God cannot be the king of your life until the kings of your life are dead. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good king, made a mistake, but Isaiah had this moment with God when the king of his life was dead. Maybe some of us have got something in our life that really, without even knowing, is taking the pinnacle spot. You know, God can't be the king of our lives until all the other kings are gone. So King Isaiah was a good king until he made one silly mistake. Same mistake that Saul made. He thought he could go into the temple and do whatever he wanted to do. That's, that's what King Isaiah did. He entered the temple of God his way in his strength, not the way that was set for the children of Israel. He presumed he could do it in his way. He didn't wait for the prophet. He just wanted the party started. <laughs> didn't, didn't end well for King Uzziah because of that. But I... I can't help but think, I wonder how many churches do the same thing. There's a way that God wants us to enter. There's a way that God wants us to worship, that he desires us to worship, that God wants us to seek him so that he can be found. I wonder how many places just want to get the party started. Let's just go in and do it our way. Let's fashion this. We don't have time. We've got to get this thing moving. What I love about and the mandate that's on this house, the DNA that I believe is on this house, is that we're a house that's prepared to sit and wait. We sing songs repetitively, if anyone hasn't noticed. You know, because sometimes we've got to decree it so often that it needs to sink into our hearts. So that regardless of what we're going through, the voices that are in our head, every time we sing it, we put that voice to death. And then we sing it again and it puts that thought to death. And we sing it again and it puts that circumstance to death. And we sing it again and all of a sudden the spirit within us says, yeah, that is our God. And then we sing it again and we we have this little bit of joy that starts to rise up within us. Because there's a way to enter into his presence. There's a way that is right for God. Yeah, It may not be right for man. You know, there's nothing wrong with waiting on God. God loves it when we want to linger in his presence yeah anyway Isaiah Isaiah enters the temple while he's mourning he's lost his friend his relative his king he's lost his earthly dependence and I just think he walks into the temple a totally broken man totally broken just broken looking for comfort from his God he needed at that point the arms of a loving father you know, as we all do when we're mourning, I guess. And, and what a way to be restored. He walks into the temple as he had done hundreds and hundreds of times. But this time, he has this encounter. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. Yeah? Just think about that. High and exalted. Man, wouldn't you love to have that experience? And I would love to have that experience. I'm jealous of people like my daughter, Faith, who, who walk into places and, and she sees angels. I don't know how to, how to explain that. I sense the presence of God, but I don't see things like that. But she does. And I'm almost jealous of that. I, I don't covet that. I've, I've learned not to. 
But man, it would have been so good just to walk into the church and see the Lord high and exalted, yeah? You know, most of us, this is a sweeping generalisation because I think by now most people here know that I like to make sweeping generalisations, yeah? (laughs) Most of us don't experience that, not to that extent, because we get angry with God instead of getting hungry, yeah? We get angry in the situation we're in instead of getting hungry. But when we're hungry for him, when we're thirsty for him, he fills us. When we seek him, we find him because he's not hiding so that he can't be found. He's hidden to be found. Isaiah enters the temple of broken man and he's comforted and loved by the one he found and he walks out totally restored, totally brand new. It's really, it, it's, it's such a beautiful story because the first six chapters of the book of Isaiah, all you read is, woe, woe is me. Like, it, seriously, it's woe is me. If you read the first, chat, first six chapters of Isaiah, don't do it with anything sharp nearby. You know, like, just don't. Because he's just like, oh, my life, it's just terrible. Like, six chapters of woe. Like, I don't know why they thought that was worth putting in there. But, but after, this, after this encounter with God, the next 60 chapters, six, now we're multiplying it by 10. The next 60 chapters of the book of Isaiah is high and lifted up. He, he, unto us a son is given, that the government will be on his shoulders. He's our wonderful counsellor. He's our mighty God, yeah? What a change. And this man, he's our everlasting father. Isaiah had an encounter that just just changed him forever. The atmosphere was perfect for him. It's like um, we're in Ballarat, so we often get frost, yes. You know, a lot of our, our wineries don't like the area because their grapes, their crops get frost. But when the temperature, I had to write this down because otherwise I wouldn't know it, but when the temperature in the air is cold enough, yeah, apparently, they tell me. And when there's enough humidity in the air at the same time, and when the weather conditions are just about right, and when it's a little hotter on the inside, particularly of your vehicle, think about it for a minute, and the inside and outside temperatures are at certain points, when everything lines up the way it needs to, bingo, you wake up, you've got frost on your windscreen. Everything has to be there, Yeah doesn't happen all all the time only when specific conditions are met but there's a key here there's a key here for God for us because everything that we need for frost to form it's always there it's just in another dimension we just can't see it yeah the conditions have to be perfect the conditions have to be right the conditions have to be met and when they're right it pulls frost into our sight where we can actually see it and and by the way that's not just for Ballarat you know that's for the whole world it works the same way all around the world just in case you're wondering right I know it's totally amazing so something that's that's in another dimension when everything's right a little bit of cold a little bit of humidity a little bit of heat when all of that meets we get frost we can now see it it's tangible Isaiah has this tangible manifest experience, encounter with God, yeah? the presence of God. Now, God's omnipresent. He's 
always there. Yeah, true theology? He's always there. God's not missing. Yeah, hasn't lost himself. I just want to suggest that we have to be hot enough and passionate enough and desperate enough that we have to seek him because he longs to be found, yeah? Especially when life is cold around us, right? We need to come looking for him with all our frailties, all our brokenness, and when everything is in alignment, everything that is already there, yeah, God is already, everything's there. Your brokenness is there. Your passionate heart is there. The Spirit of God is there. And when everything comes together, suddenly, like frost, God appears. Oh, that's revelation. I had an encounter with God. I sensed him. Something touched me. The conditions just have to be right. And most of it rests with us, those who hunger and thirst, those who are passionately desiring to find him. If we can be desperate like Isaiah and walk into the temple of God with our brokenness seeking him, and if our worship, if that can be like hot enough, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but if we can just worship with abandon, not... I'm going to say this really delicately because I've got an Italian background. Not some Aussie out Australian like I don't like to wear, I don't like to sing in public. Not that. That's just yuck. Italians love to serenade their women, and I don't sing, but we sing and we we love on them. Oh look, she's I've never done it before. Can you tell? Anyway, in theory, <laughs> in theory. Italians love to sing and you watch those movies and you get Dean Martin singing his songs on the gondola, you know. When, when the worship is right, when the passion is right, when it's inside of us, regardless of the cold around us because of life, bang, frost appears. God is there. We have an encounter, encounter with God where he's high and lifted up. Where the train, the train of his robe Fills the temple. You and I are the temple of God. So God is there in all of his presence. But there's so much of him. It's like a train that never ends. It just keeps coming and it fills the temple. And it fills the temple. And it fills the temple. And I don't know about any one of you. But I've had it happen to me once or twice. Yeah, Where God has downloaded so much that I felt like I was going to explode. Yeah, where it was like, God, that's enough. It, it was like his train. It just kept filling the temple. It just kept filling the temple. It's like, God, that's enough. And all I can think of is, man, I was so hungry for him in that moment that he appeared high and lifted up, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Man, I want that every day. Don't you want that every day? Like, we're about to receive the best gift in all the world. No faith, no religion can match that. Nothing, not even come close to. Psalm 42 says, Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Our deep hunger cries for his deep water. But do you want more? Do I want more? We're the only stoppage. Why don't we stand while I share this little passage? In Ezekiel, 
47. Yeah, Ben, do you mind playing the guitar or keys? Whatever you've organised is good. <laughs> uh, I don't know, something. <laughs> Met by love. Just play it. Yeah, that'll do. That, that, that works for me. Ezekiel 47 reads from verse 1, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Today... (laughs) Every day we choose how deep we go in. We choose. Today we choose how much we're going to seek him. We choose how hungry we're going to be. We choose how thirsty we're going to be. We choose whether we go to him in our brokenness. We choose how we will worship. We choose. We decide if we're going to be hot enough and passionate enough to change the climate, yeah? We decide if we're going to chase him enough to change the atmosphere. You and I are the only ones that determine if we are God catchers. Nobody else. See, if we ever have an encounter with the manifest presence of God, it will ruin you forever. It will ruin this church forever. It will ruin Ballarat forever. From then on, you may put up with church and coming together and worshipping with the worship team. But what you'll really be longing for is the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, yeah, the Shalom of Heaven. The rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star. That's what you'll long for. So with every eye closed, just for a minute. If you desire to have that God, high and exalted, high and lifted up, If you desire that, God, I'm just going to open the altar and I want you to make a public declaration with him. Sometimes we need to step out in faith to see God move in faith. Where the train of his robe will fill your temple. See, what we're really waiting for, longing for and seeking is to see the Lord high and lifted up. So if that's you today, the altar's open.
Maybe, Ben, we can sing, you know, met by love. And I'm not going to pray for you, though you may want to. Maybe you don't want me to. But this is just about you and God. God, may we be a people that are always thirsty. Lord, that you might continue to fill us over and over and over and over again. Lord, that we would have encounters with you that would change our lives forever. Lord, that we would have encounters with you that would change the community around us. Lord, that we would be the head and not the tail, that Ballarat would shift, Lord, in its atmosphere because of your presence. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you come near to those that come near to you. Lord, that you're looking for those that are seeking you. Father, that you're ready, God, to reveal yourself more and more and more. From one level of strength to another level of glory, God, I thank you that you constantly pour yourself out on your people. Lord, instill within us, Lord, a hunger and a thirst that's almost unquenchable, God, that we would have a satisfaction in you, but Lord, not a contentment, Bless your people, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.